This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yeah, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. Wow. Was that bad? Is that what I sound like? I wonder how many people are going to turn this podcast off immediately after that. <laughs> I don't know, man. If that's what I sound no, like, it I doesn't reevaluate my life. It doesn't sound that bad. I always like to play it up, though, as it does sound that bad. It's more like a, yo, it is. That okay, was better. Good. But okay, that was better. I'll take it. I'll I prefer it. I prefer the mockingness, though, honestly. If I, I think so, too. I mean, Jack, you wouldn't be you if you were not doing the mockingness. For those who don't know why the mockingness is happening... Because I'm in Florida, Jack. You didn't get How attacked. How that? The, and you're, you're safe and sound? Like there's no no weird yes. weird stuff yes. going on? So here's the thing. I had to fly with my six-month-old daughter, Zoe. Turns out she's awesome. And she was great. And I was scared for nothing, and it worked out well. So she was great. So she was not a problem on the plane? No. No. She was a delight. There were actually two other babies on the plane, and both babies way worse than Zoe. So she was like the good baby. I feel like that's always a. I feel like it's always a pride point for dads. Like my baby is oh, yeah. the good baby. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's kind of uh, how I. She's already kinda... like the the best looking baby. Right. She's the coolest baby. You know, she's got all these things going for her. So you just add something to the list, you know. That is how I feel watching Nick Pavetta these days. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, was good work right there. But that's 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 interesting. I mean, like. The Zoe thing, you know, I I imagine in a few years she's going to be the one calming you down on flights. Yeah, I think that's absolutely going to happen. Jack. Nice, I'm I'm I mean, totally here. She's already calmer than I am now. I'm so. here. I'm here for a chill seltzer. That's that's whatever. That's what the people need. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, don't don't hold your breath, Jack. They only make one James seltzer, I would say. <laughs> All right, Francie, let's dive in. Let's talk a little fills. Not. It's funny because I feel like every show we've done for like the last like ten shows. There's just been something to talk about, good or bad, Pavetta or McCutcheon or whatever it is. There's been, like, something, like, obvious. And I don't know what to talk about today, Jack, the Diamondbacks. Well, it was not two of three, which is very sad. Yeah, well, it was the other way, which is sad. It's well, the usually, Diamondbacks it's usually how baseball series works. against us. <laughs> not cool. Yeah, I know. It was... It was such a like the first game was was just brutal baseball. Like I under oh. I understand the 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 home run craze and launch angle and all that stuff, but man, thirteen home runs in a game is just crazy. Uh, it wasn't fun. No, and like I understand like home runs and they want to recreate the steroid era and all that fun stuff, but like you can't just re- the difference between right now and the steroid era was that the steroid era had guys that were hitting seventy home runs and there was <laughs> and there was home run chases. It wasn't just hey here comes random ass Vargas who has two home runs against the Phillies. Like it was just a different time. Like I'll take the seventy home run guys, the sixty home run guys, the actual chases over this like. Random, like Freddie Galvis sitting twenty home runs. Like I don't know. Yeah, it's it's getting it's cool, getting Jack. crazy. Yeah, I'm with you, and that's what that game felt. And it, like, oh, uh, I mean, it, and first of all, to start it off back to back to back, <laughs> I, I've I've never seen that. I'm sure it's happened, but personally, I've never seen my team give up back to back to backers to start off a game, and then they actually battle back, and it's a tie game, and you're like, okay, okay, and then 
This more home runs. It was, it was a rough watch. Even at the end when Jay Bruce and Reese Hoskins are hitting homers, and it's like, it even, like I didn't even want them to hit him. Like, that's how lame it was, Jack. I wanted Reese to hit it because I have him on both my fantasy teams, but it was just like, it was lame. The whole thing felt lame. I hated that game. Yeah, it felt like the it felt like the Pro Bowl. I don't know. It was just it was a it was a it weird. Felt like the Pro Bowl. I like that. It was Pro Bowl ish. Like the, the NHL All Star game. Now the only very important thing from that game was that Scott Kingery did homer twice. True. God. Three homers in two days. I Jack. love him. I love him, man. I'm so glad that Scott Kingery is fully fully blossoming. So what is it? What is it? All right. So we talked a lot about Kingery, and I think a lot. You know, like there's the change in approach from this year, last year, and all that. But like, if you had to, to pin it down, what, why is Scott Kingery a guy who last year literally looked like he didn't belong in the major leagues, and this year is I, like right now the best hitter on the team? What the hell is that? <laughs> Well, for me, it's it's directly correlated to stop listening to John Maley on <laughs> all hitting fronts. Uh, I think that definitely helps a lot now. But like, I don't think his swing is totally different. Um, I think this is Scott Kingery was a legitimate prospect. I mean, he's a legitimate prospect that one scout said that he he is Dustin Pedroia with more talent. And Dustin Pedroia is an MVP, Rookie of the Year, World Series champion, and one of the ten best second basemen of all time. Like Dustin Pedroia is a, a hall. Wow, of- is he one of the top? I have not like thought about a top ten second baseman. Is he that good? I would. He's a great player. Top ten second baseman of all time is aggressive. He's probably going to be a hall. How many second basemen have won MVPs? Well, not many. Um, uh, Sandberg. Uh, Robbie Alomar maybe won one along the way. I don't know. 95% Probably sure BGO won one. That's a good point. Craig Bergio, yeah. That's a, that's a good question. You're right. Not many second basemen. Cano, probably above him on the all-time list. This is a good, this is a good question. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I just think that when you when you have a resume like his and how respected he was, I when I watched Dustin Pedroia throughout his career, I always thought Hall of Famer. Hmm. Okay. That's I can me. see that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the Utley argument. So the point is that Scott Kingery is a higher level Hall of Famer yes. to be, is yeah. what we're saying. Got it. He's definitely yeah. on a Hall of Fame track, yeah. some would say. Uh, but Kingery, it's just, he's it's, this swing looks the same. I think he did make minor changes. I mean, he said he's made minor changes, but it wasn't anything crazy. It, it really comes down to letting Scott Kingery be Scott Kingery. I mean, last year they, they tried to have him on this plan of, hey, let's take pitches and let's work pitchers. But every time he would work pitchers, he'd be, he'd be down 0-2 in account. So, so he'd be like, why would I do this? Um, <laughs> and and this year, uh, he's, he seems like he's quicker to the ball. He's just dropping the bat head and the ball's just flying. And I, I just think it comes down to aggressiveness. And, and last year, uh, th- this is kind of what we – this is kind of what we hoped – through all of the collapse, you know, like we, so the, the Phillies had one of the biggest collapses in MLB history last year. Like September last year was a dark time that we will never talk about ever again because it was uh, dreadful and not fun at all. But when you think about it and when you look at this year's team, Kingery getting all those at bats was important. Obviously it's important. I mean, look at how he's performing now. And if he doesn't get those at bats, I, I, I don't think he works as hard this offseason to fix it and get back to the player that they gave a, a historic contract to. So you have, you have Kingery. You also have Eflin. I mean, Eflin, Took down a lot of innings in September. He did not pitch well. He faltered down the stretch. Zach Eflin has the fifth highest, fifth lowest ERA in baseball this year, or in the NL this year. So I think it was really important. While September of last year was brutal, it got these guys a lot, a lot of of reps, and it's only helping this year's team. And that's why you look at last year's team. And it's a little frustrating because they bring in a Wilson uh, Wilson Ramos, they bring in Estrubel, they bring in some players to supplant the young guys that that. 
it was important for them to get playing time, and it, it is helping this year's team, no doubt. And and in two cases, it's Kingery and it's it's Zach Eflin. Yeah, and it's something we talked about a lot last year on this very podcast, the idea of how important it was to develop these guys and that it was even more important than competing last year with the squad that they had. I think the King with Kingery, the thing with Kingery, too, and I, and I love, you know, obviously you mentioned the idea that for the, they're letting him actually just be Scott Kingery, like go up and, and see a pitch and hit it and be aggressive and be the type of hitter that makes him successful. But also, Jack, and I know you've tweeted variations of this phrase, Many times recently, but who could have actually thought, Jack, that he could actually hit at the major league level playing all these different positions? I mean, how much did we talk about that last year? How much was it the consternation, the, oh, my God, they're ruining Scott Kingery's career? What happened, Jack? What happened? Oh, it's pretty crazy. I thought his career was over. You know. Well, here's the thing. You know what the funny thing is? Is No, on the flip side, what they've done is they've turned Scott Kingery into an even more valuable player and asset than he would have been before. Scott Kingery's ability to play all these positions and play them well, at least to certain levels of, of well, makes him a more valuable player for this team. It makes him a more valuable Major League Baseball player. And you talked about that historic contract like, Right now, like what we're seeing right now from this guy, if this is, you know, let's even like, let's say one, one fourth, a quarter of the guy can be like, like he's not even this good. This is the best king we see, but we see a guy who's half as good as this. That contract's still a steal. Like it is a, a, a monumental steal, that contract. Yeah, you know what's funny? He's actually playing more of a set position last year than he is this year. <laughs> like. <laughs> Right? I mean, yeah, it's a great point, actually. He, he played shortstop all the time last year. And like yeah. everyone's like, well, you're playing him all over the place. It's like, well, that's not totally true. <laughs> I mean, No, he's just playing shortstop every day. And now it looks like he's just going to be their, their full-time center fielder until they figure out something out there. Uh, I mean, Roman Quinn could be available for the, the Brave series. I think he's going to be available. But again, with Roman Quinn, it's like, well, he's going to be fine for a day, and we're not sure he's going to make it to the next day with, the, with, these, with this crazy injury stuff. And that means that Michael Franco has to live to see another day. Nine lives, Michael, over there at third base. It used to be, it used to be eight hole, Michael. Now it's nine lives, Michael. It's like fifty five lives, Michael. It's unbelievable, Jack. Like I don't. And here's the thing. Um, look, Scott Kingery. I think of the positions they have him play at right now. I think we'd all agree center field is worst spot. Like he's a better third baseman than he is a center fielder. I think ultimately he's, he's a better third baseman than, than Franco long-term. He's got more range. He's got just as good an arm. He can make all the plays. But I think that uh, it's just a bummer that this is the way it's – like, as we talked about, and, and who knows how long it takes him to get back from this hip injury, but the ideal lineup is Hazley in center and, and Kingery at third. Like, that's, that's the ideal lineup. That is the best lineup for now and for moving into the future. It makes such a big difference. Like, everyone – is there – Jack, is there anyone out there who watches the Phillies on a nightly basis who thinks who still believes in Michael Franco? Because I would like to talk to them. Because what the hell are you watching? Like this guy stinks. Like Michael Franco stinks. Well, when you put it like that, <laughs> yeah, I. I, I mean, He's not good, Jack. No, Michael is just not. He's just not it. He's just not like. And everyone's always like, "Oh, he's so good defensively." He's like. He's fine defensively. Let's not get carried away here. Like, he makes nice plays if he's around the ball. I've got more range than Michael Franco. Like, people act like he's some, like, 
stud defender. He's not. Yeah, he makes he makes the plays that are right at him, and everything else is is he's not getting to. Uh, and Kingery, I understand like for this year's team, he's he's fine as a as a third baseman, but still like I j- j- Mike. Let's put it this way. Scott Kingery is not even second base eligible in fantasy baseball leagues, and Scott wow. Kingery is a second baseman. Like that's that, crazy. That's crazy. That's pretty crazy. He's not even. He can't even get five ba- games at second base. It's crazy to me. So like, he is still a long term second baseman, and boy, like Cesar, five for his last fifty. I mean, he's pretty cold, Jack. Pretty it, cold, Jack. Do I want to blame that solely on the walk up song? Yes, I sure do. The walk up song is I mean, brutal. You might want to. I mean. We probably should is really the takeaway. Well, I mean, the team's just so down after hearing the walk-up song. It's like, well, what's the point of even playing anymore? Cesar's got us in a funk. I think, I think it's a fair point. I, maybe one of your best points. Yeah. If we're going to be real about it. If we're getting really analytical, it's, it's, the, it's the walk-up song. But, <laughs> but what, do you, what do you think about... What do you think about Kingery in the leadoff spot? Because obviously Kingery's not the... Not the Ideal, right? Because because the walk rate and, and and all that stuff. But listen, I just think the leadoff. I think the leadoff position is changing around baseball. And if you're paying attention, I think you're starting to notice it. I mean, like Kyle Schwarber is leading off a lot for the Cubs. Kyle Schwarber is has is batting two thirty or whatever, and has like a three forty OBP. But there, a lot of teams right now, and a lot of the smart teams, and I would like to think the Phillies are one of the smart teams, are putting guys in the leadoff position that are hard contact guys that have a, a hard hit percentage that is high and a contact rate that is high and a, and a barrel percentage that is high and all that stuff. And Kingery is all of that right now. He's barreling the, barreling the baseball. He, he has a, a high hard hit percentage. And I just, I like the idea of him in the leadoff spot, be aggressive. Like, I mean, George Springer is an MVP candidate. He's batting leadoff for the Astros. He's not a high OBP guy. He just sits, he sits up there and rakes. Max Kepler is the same way on the twins. Like these are not your prototypical fast leadoff guys but what they do is they get up to they get up to plate and they're aggressive from the first pitch of the game and that is that is Scott Kinger right now he's, he's jumping on baseballs he's not letting him get into an 0-2 count I just I want to see what it looks like the guy batted leadoff his whole life uh, I, I, I he has experience doing it I just want to see what it would look like um, and he could be a long-term fix there he has the speed he has the hit tool not crazy walk numbers, but he'll be aggressive, and I think it's the the new trend of leadoff men is guys that are gonna put a good swing on a baseball and and get, do some damage out of the leadoff spot. Yeah, look, I think I think the one thing you mentioned that that is prototypical for Gingery is he might be the fastest guy on the team when Ron Quinn's not healthy. So I think from a a speed at the top of the lineup perspective, that's kind of an old school mentality, but. It's what I grew up with, and I love it. I, I, I like the idea of my leadoff hitter being able to run. But, um, it's, a, it's a really interesting question. Because, look, Cesar, and, again, I, a small sample size and all that, but you look at his numbers this season in the leadoff hole versus numbers in the six hole this season. I mean, they're, they're, like, drastic. I mean, we're talking about one guy is a all-star, and the other guy shouldn't be getting every day at bat. So, um, I, I think I think they, you can't do anything wrong here. I don't think Cesar is doing a good job in the real spot. I know he was there last year. I know he was. And even then, like, he's not getting on base at the same clip he has in the past. Like, this is not a season where Cesar is walking at the same type of walk rate that he's had. So if you had someone who had someone who's going to go up and, you know, like uh, really get on base 36, 37, 38% of the time, and that's what Kingery's doing, by the way. Kingery's like a 360 OBP. Obviously not the walks, more the bat, but 
Yeah, I would be I would be really okay with that. I, I think that's look, I think at some point here this offense, as we discussed on the last pod and you know, the eight and seven run barrages against the Diamondbacks notwithstanding, this offense is disappointed. This offense is underachieved. So at this point, like why wouldn't you try and do something like that? Why wouldn't you try and get a spark at the top of the lineup? Yeah, and, and Cesar batting leadoff this year, not just leadoff, but batting first in the order this year, is batting two fourteen with a three thirteen OBP uh, and a seven forty one OPS. Now that was after Is that bad, Jack? That's pretty bad. Now that was after Monday's game. <laughs> uh, I think it's definitely gone down since then. I think it only had one hit. Um and in a, in the sixth spot in the lineup, he's batting three oh seven with a three fifty eight OBP and a nine twenty six OPS. So so that you, good? Yeah, it's very good. It's, a, it's an all star. So, so you're, you're, and honestly, honestly, I think moving Cesar out of the six hole and back into a leadoff spot, I think, I think Cesar got so locked in mentally to being in the six hole and not having to worry about drawing walks that he could just go up there and, and rake in a way. And I, I that's a re- Jack, that's a really interesting point. I hadn't even thought of that. The idea that Cesar almost had a completely different approach being in the six hole and now you're throwing him back in the, the leadoff spot like last year in that. Same mental approach isn't there. That's a fascinating thought. Yeah, now he has to rewire his whole brain for for that whole new-ish position in a way. So I think that's a fascinating thought. I really like that. And Kingery, I I don't think you're gonna, you're not going to see a big philosophy change if you move Kingery from six to leadoff. I think he, I think there's going to be like, hey man, do what you've always done. Go be Scott Kingery. Go be go be aggressive. Go set the tables for this team because really they're almost they're almost wasting Scott Kingery in a way where he's at in the lineup. Like obviously he's driving in some runs because of Bruce in front of him and 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 whatnot. But it, like let's say like there was there's multiple times throughout the series where Cesar comes up and there's runners on base. I would just rather that be Kingery, and I'd rather. I'd rather it be a better hitter in that situation. So it could be twofold. You move Cesar back to where he got comfortable and looked like an all-star, and you move Kingery up in the lineup to where he can do more damage and help this team even more, steal more bases, like be a threat on the base pass. I I think it helps twofold. He's not perfect, but I just think even for and if you're talking about window, I mean, you know, if you want to get a little window talk, I will. Uh, long <laughs> long long term, if Kingery can can take down the leadoff spot, I it's it's good for this team. I agree with you. Here's something I've noticed, though, with you today, Jack. I feel like you're using more gapism. Oh, uh, dude, I can't you're get, fi- I can't, I can't get take down out of down, my head. Like yeah, yeah. This is, I, I'm, I'm hearing it consistently. Yeah, no, I, I literally walk around me like me. Angelina here, Mike Angelina of WIP, and Joe Giglio, who is sometimes hosting this podcast. It's all we we text and all we talk in person is like, yeah, I got to take down ten to two for Seltzer tomorrow. <laughs> Barchard, Barchard, Barchard had a uh, forty-five minutes commercial free last night because the Phillies game was uh, I don't know an hour long, and uh, and we're like, well, Barchard's got to take down forty-five minutes commercial free off the top of the hour here. So uh, yeah, take down is, is being <laughs> is being is being used a lot. I'm all in on the gayisms. Take down is my favorite. Um, I want to get a shirt with take down something on it. it, it in quotations. Uh, that's going to be the next fake shirt idea that I create. Um, but yeah, takedown is... Well, we still need a two or three up first, Jack. Two of three. We got to get, right. get a two of three shirt. We got to get Jay yeah. Bruth. And yeah. we got to get takedown. Yes. The Gabe Kapler takedown. Well, uh, I like the takedown. I can agree with that. I I, think, I, I noticed it. I heard it. Um, I like that yeah, idea. I, I love I, it. I like that idea. I love it. I am. Uh, I'm good with this. I, I, I. Again, I think the offense needs something. They need some sort of juice. Losing McCutcheon, um, obviously, it was retarded with such a big blow, and 
I do think they've lacked at the top of the line, but obviously the numbers say they've lacked since Cesar has stepped into that role, but just watching the eye test, like it's clear they've lacked something at the top of the lineup. They've lacked that, that spark, and to your point about Terry, like, he's going to go up and he's going to, he's a spark plug kind of guy, man. Like, he's someone who not just is going to go up and, and, and see a pitch he, he likes and go for it and get on base and all that, but like, again, you mentioned that the, like, I don't think we can just totally dismiss the importance of speed at the top of the lineup. I know that baseball doesn't work that way anymore and things change and all that, but like, all else being equal, if you give me two guys with the exact same stats at the top of the lineup, and one's fast and one's not, I want the fast guy at the top of the lineup. So I do think it's nice to have a guy that can up there can, who can like make some sort of difference with his legs as well. Totally agree. Totally agree. So um, I wonder if they. I wonder how much longer they keep keep Cesar in the leadoff spot if he continues to scuffle. I know there's been more questions about it. Um, there's been. Like Gabe's been obviously pressed a little bit more about it, and he should be because you having having a guy that's not being productive at the top of your lineup just sets everything else in motion in a, in a negative way. Um, and honestly, like I, I don't, I know your two hole hitter is theoretically supposed to be your most important hitter, but I still don't love Bryce in the two hole. Like I, I would like him up with with guys on base in front of him and, and ability to do damage. Um, so I'd like to see Segura get back to the two hole. I'm not, I'm not in love Me with. Me too, Jack. I feel really strongly about that. Like especially because not ju- it's both sides. It's it's Bryce makes more sense in the three hole or the four hole, but the three hole realistically, like Bryce makes more sense there, and like. Segura makes more sense as a two-hitter. Segura just does everything you could ever want out of a two-hitter. He can hit with runners on base. He can move runners over. He's going to get this guy on the ball. Like, he does all those things. Like, I'm with you, man. I thought Segura... I, I, I get... Again, I know that Kapler's trying to do little things like that to mix it up, but that was one I disagreed with as well. Yeah, so lineup construction is a is is a, is a major thing. Um, Eikhoff. I mean, Eikhoff is obviously... <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> regressed. Yeah, Jared. Could you, could you say Jared Eikhoff has regressed a little bit? Or? You could say that, Jack. Look, a- hey, again, a- another example of this, which is funny because it's kind of like a mixed message type of thing where on the one end, as we've talked about a ton, we believe they don't want to go over the luxury tax. They didn't want to go for Keiko. They didn't want to do the Kimbrel thing. Like, it seems like they have a threshold. But then on the other end of things, they're like, we're not messing around. If you have a bad outing, you're going to the minors. You're out of the rotation. We're not, you know, messing around. We're going to win every single game. Like, it really is kind of a mixed messages thing where it's like they're all in on the approach from that perspective with starting pitchers, as we've seen. Obviously, Pavetta, Eikhoff, like we've seen Velasquez. Like, they're not messing around with that. Like, they're not giving guys time in the rotation to figure out they're saying every start is too important. Yet, on the flip side, they're saying, Ah, $13 million for Dallas Keuchel, that's too much. So, what do you make of that? Yeah, it's a little bit frustrating. Um, like, it's almost... The, I actually I actually feel pretty good about the Phillies' first three. Like, I feel good about Eflin. I mean, Eflin is, is fifth in the NL in ERA right now. Obviously, feel good about Pavetta. You, you hope that he can keep this up. Um, there is a... If we can just be completely honest with the High Hopes listeners and, and you, even though I'm, I can't look at you in the face because you're down in Florida and this is on the phone. Which is rough. Yeah, which this, is rough. Which it's is, way harder to do this when we're not looking at each other. Yeah, it's l- just a fact. Let me just... I, I'm looking as honestly at, at you as I possibly can through the phone. <laughs> is that there's a part of me that is a little bit worried that what sunk Pavetta in the first place was the he got a little ahead of himself heading out of spring training. Got, started smelling himself a little bit. 
This sure. is going to be a big moment on Friday night to, to see if he's actually matured. Like everyone's talking about, yeah, talks about how he's Great come point. back and he's been humble and he's been humbled by his trip to to Lehigh Valley, and I I agree with that. But if he if he gets absolutely shelled, it's going to be another one of those cases where he's not fully there mentally just yet. So while while I'm Oh, obviously. I mean, Pavetta's my guy, but there is definitely still concerns in between the ears. And if he goes out and shoves against the Braves, I mean, he would go through the Dodgers, Reds, and Braves in three consecutive starts. I think we could feel pretty good about the rotation from that standpoint. You have Eflin, which is, I mean, Eflin's just consistent at this point. Like, last night was such bullcrap with how he, with the runs he allowed. Like, they were just, they were, they were bleeders. Like, wipe the blood off him. And, like, he, he was only allowed two earned. It was it was a good outing for Zach Eflin. I mean, it was eight, eight innings, 82 pitches, I'm pretty sure. And he easily could have kept going. It was just they needed the offense by putting Bryce Harper in there. And then you have Nola, which I think is, is rounding into Nine form. Nine strikeouts. Eflin, Nine strikeouts for Eflin. I mean, strikeout F. Yeah. Strikeout yeah. F. Strikeout F. Um, <laughs> and, and then, I mean, Arietta is obviously a t- like a tire fire. I mean, I just have no interest in watching Jake Arietta pitch anymore. And I I I can't stand him, Jack. Like I like even it was six innings, three runs, gets the win the other day, and it was like it was still brutal to watch that guy pitch. It is, and and it comes down to that fifth spot, and they just don't have the guy. I don't like. I don't know what they're going to do on Sunday. I think it's probably going to be the opener or maybe Arietta on a short rest and what what whatnot, but like Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Well, That's a, yeah, Arietta on short rest. Yay. Well, I guess it would be normal rest cuz they had the off day today. So Whatever. Or, or, I look, I guess it can't be any worse than on normal rest. So, either or Yeah. If you look at the fifth spot, it's like I don't know. There's just there's just no one there's no one there that I feel good about taking down some innings in the fifth spot of the rotation. It's it there it's such it's such a glaring, glaring hole because it's either is either Eikhoff or we're going to Cole Irvin. Like I have no you're doing the opener. And I, I, I certainly have absolutely no interest. I don't want to move. Like I don't want to move Vince Velasquez back to the rotation because I think he's no. Act, but uh, no, but 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 I think that he is developing into a bullpen guy. To, to oh, it, it'd be a disaster to move him back out. Like you can't keep flip flopping the guy. You, like they have to stick with this. He's a he's a pen arm now. That's what he is. He's a pen arm. Just leave him as yeah. a pen arm. There's no reason to to jerk him around like that. Just just let him stay there and let him hopefully figure that out. Don't put him back in the starting rotation and and get his mind like I think he's he's starting to work in a in a good way in the bullpen. I don't want to see them deter from that plan a little bit. And honestly. If it's they're gonna, the opener, Jack. Like when you're when you're listing these options, like you're hearing them right. Like the opener is the only option, and and that's not okay. Like again, like I'm more of a fan of the opener than you because I'm not, you know, a pitcher who you know loves to start games and all that stuff. But I just like I, I just like I, to, I like to take down innings for my team. What can I say? You do. I know. I know. <laughs> it needs to be your day. Like you would, like the opener. If Fritz comes to the stadium and they say, "Hey, Jack, listen, we want you to eat six for us today," but we're going to go with an opener because, you know, we want to get you that first time through the lineup a little later, you know, seven, eight, nine. It's going to be great. Jack would be like, no, 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 no. It's my ball today. Like, it's, it's, it's my day today. Like, yeah. that's what you would be like. And I get that. Of course but I would. I think, of course you would. And I think a lot of major league pitchers are. But in this situation, when you're looking at, like, Corv and, like, like the, the, the list of guys you mentioned, like, why not do the opener? Like, why not in this situation? Like, why not? And so- I, I don't think it's a long-term answer. They need a starting pitcher, whether it's, you and I have discussed a ton that go all in or not. We both, after the McCutcheon injury, lean towards not going all in. 
So if it's someone you can get for multiple years, a Ray, a minor, sure. But regardless, even if it's just a fourth, fifth type starter who's going to like be able to start games and each innings for you, take down innings for you. Yeah, that's even something they have to like. They have to get a starter no matter what. Speaking of multi-year options that may, well, actually in this case would 100% affect the luxury tax. I like the idea of Granky. I ooh, I really ooh, do. Ooh. I don't. Th- yeah, well, that would definitely be uh, like thirty million. Affect <laughs> the luxury tax. Oh, it would destroy the luxury tax. But here's here's the, here's the reason for Granky. He's looked great this year, dude. Boy, that guy's that guy's ageless. Really good He's 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 gonna pitch until he's forty. Like I just think he's always gonna be good. Um, and like he's super smart as a pitcher. Super smart as a pitcher. Super athletic too. I mean, the Phillies wanted to draft him as an infielder, like in the in the top ten when they were drafting him. Wow, really? Yeah, they talked about that the other day on the air. Like they wanted to draft Granky as an as a position player, and the wow. the Royals took him as a as a pitcher, obviously. But with Granky, like of I'm just thinking of the starting pitching available this offseason. Obviously, Garrett Cole, Pam, whatever. Like if you can get Garrett Cole here, that. It's an absolute. Oh my God! Whatever he wants, like I don't like give him a Bryce Harper contract. I don't care. But you're you're bidding against so many other teams with Granky. Like, I'm of the, I'm of the belief I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up the prospects this offseason or the, this trade deadline. Like I want to keep Bohm. Like I mean, Bohm's being talked about in like a Matthew Boyd deal, and I love Matthew Boyd. I think he's really good. But if you're, ta- I would. Like, I'm not trading Alec Bohm for Matthew Boyd. Like Matthew Boyd's Matthew freaking Boyd. I understand he's having a good year, but like I don't know. I'd rather give. I'd rather pay the money. I'd rather pay the luxury tax. And again, it's not my money, but I'd rather pay the luxury tax for a guy like Granky, who is not going to cost me a bunch prospect wise, but I know is going to be able to. Take down some innings and and be good. Like Granky will be a good starting pitcher wherever he goes. I don't think he's. A, I mean, the home runs at Chase Field are down anyway because they changed the humidor last year or whatever. Um, I just think Granky's always going to be good. I don't care about the luxury tax, but I think if we're looking at what helps this team the most, like a Granky Adam Jones, don't give up a ton prospect wise and only have to pay money. It's basically getting a better version of Dallas Keuchel for obviously more money. Yeah, I would say right now a, a definitively better version of Keiko. And that's the key is that Zach Greinke is owed so much money that the Diamondback like the, the point of what Jack's saying is the Diamondbacks will give him away if you take on the money. Like, that's where they're at with Zach Greinke. Like, he is, he is owed a lot of money, and they don't want to pay him it over the next year. So, um, yeah, I, I would love Zach Greinke. I think that, that type of guy makes a ton of sense. Uh, and again, I think that the key is whether it's Greinke, whether it's Ray, whether it's Minor, and I think I think you get Greinke for way cheaper than either of those two guys, obvious, for obvious reasons. Um, I think when you're looking at it like that, like I think you need to get a guy who's going to be here for multiple years. You know, unless you're unless you're truly going for a a pure band aid type guy, like. Again, someone who's just going to give you innings and someone you don't really care about and someone who's a, a major impact on you, but someone who is better than Jared Eikhoff or whatever, fine. But that's like why you would sign Dallas Keigel. That's Dallas Keigel, essentially, right? Like that's bringing in someone who's better than Jared Eikhoff and will eat any seed. That's Dallas Keigel. Uh, I'm with you. I think that if they're going to go in and, and, and Grunky is a beautiful ad because it's just money. And I think we both agree, like, don't be cheap. Phillies, like, I know, like, you had a big offseason with money. When I got Harper, like, yay, that's great, Jack Middleton. But, like, that doesn't mean you just need to stop now and say, like, oh, we're going with the luxury tax. Like, no. Like, you you know, you're commit. 
You know, you're a big market team. Be a big boy. Act like a big boy. Be like every other big market team in baseball. But uh, the beauty of the Greinke deal is you don't have to give up prospects to get it. If it's a Ray, if it's a minor, those types of things, you're going to have to give up something else uh, in addition. But I do think that ultimately the idea of, and again, the Phillies are going to make trades. They are in this. They are competing. They're going to make moves. Um, I think the idea of making moves for guys who, like Jay Bruce, for that matter, will be here past this season, I think is a really smart way for them to go about it. Yeah, and I think the, the best point you made during that entire little segment there was... Soliloquy. I like to call it a soliloquy. Okay, well, you just, listen, you took, the, <laughs> you, you, you took down some words right there, but um, I the best thing you said during that entire thing was like, listen, Bryce Harper, great. I understand he spent 30, $330 million and $27 million a year. That's fine. It, it, I'm sick and tired of, of not being a big boy in baseball, like, mm-hmm. like a, a monster. You are a top five market. Uh, you, you like, look at, look at the teams thriving right now. You have, you have Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Dodgers. Like, yep. Those are the big market teams. You are, you are right with those teams when it comes to revenue. I mean, the Phillies are making so much money right now. Like just from the, they're, they're, they're up 10% in attendance. Like you're making a ton of money as a, as an organization, you can afford the luxury tax. Like you, there's, there's two things that I'm, that I'm mildly frustrated with is I want them to enter the 2010s when it comes to finding pitching, pitching prospects, mm-hmm. pitching anything. Like, the fact that they're they're throwing out guys right now, and it looks like down in the minor leagues, like, until you get to Spencer Howard and Francisco Morales, like, you, you're looking at guys that throw 90? And you're, yeah. like, you have Cole Irvin's your best option to bring up? Like, seriously? Cole Irvin's the best option you can do? Like, obviously, like, Medina has a .83 ERA in his last five starts, which is a, which is a really good trend, because he was not pitching that well. Still walked 10 guys, but he's striking out some people, so Medina Dina, maybe they could call up soon. He's he was yeah, but the, I mean Howard's hurt right now. Howard's and younger, hurt. obviously, but Howard's hurt. He's not coming up anytime soon. And that's the thing is really after Medina and Howard, like they don't have any other like like super high end arms. Period. Much less guys, or at least anyone above low A. You know, like they don't have any like guys who you could look at and say like, all right, that's a potential top sixty or seventy prospect as an arm. Like they don't have those guys. No, I mean Morales. I think is going to be really good, but he he has control issues. He throws hard, but like, but Ramon Rosso, he just got moved up to to AAA yesterday. I think he actually has a chance to stick a little bit. But there's some theory that he might be the next Sir Anthony, like turning a guy from a starter to a reliever and helping that way because Sir Anthony's obviously done for the rest of the season and probably next mm-hmm. season. Uh, but like. I'm just so sick and tired of of having pitchers that that come up and can't strike anyone out. Like like the 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 ability to not miss bats is mind boggling. Like we thought there might be a trend here of hey let's just generate soft contact. Well, that's not working. Like the, no. the like the soft contact thing is absolutely not working. Like like Jay Garrett is another another product of this where it's like oh let's let's throw another soft contact generating Jake Arrieta but meanwhile they're squaring him up because he doesn't because the sinker is just leaking over the middle of the plate like it's I they, they need to they need to make sure their evaluations are in the modern day realm of baseball like like and I'm so I just please for the love of God and the, and the draft was a good start with this but get guys that can miss freaking bats yeah, actually, Jack, it's a great point because you talked about this a lot last year, too, as we talked about the Phillies' approach and the, 
the and you kind of saw it changing in the moment last year. We talked about the you know taking pitches that whole thing, and and you had compared it to the Red Sox a lot throughout the season, and obviously the World Series are on, but it's like that maybe that approach that the Phillies had taken to, to, to going about their business offensively that that had already changed, that they were already behind the curve with their quote-unquote new approach they just implemented. So I, I'm with you in the sense that they need to make sure that they are ahead of the curve. Like, we're not talking about, like, oh, everyone else is doing this, we'll do it now, too, because baseball's changing so fast now. Like, it is changing so quickly with, with the amount of information that we have, the amount of numbers that these guys have, the amount of analytics they have to, to you know, kind of put in the hopper to make these types of decisions. Like, it's changing quickly, and that's why the best teams, the teams like, I don't know, the Tampa Bay Rays, that find ways to do so much more with so much less every single year. It's because they're constantly ahead of the curve. Everyone is copying the Rays instead of the other way around. Like, the Phillies need to be that team. They need to be the team that is out in front of these types of movements, and we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, and and when you're obviously the Rays are kind of an extreme example. They can kind of take right. they can they the can, best of the best. <laughs> well, they're the best of the best, and they can take the most risk because no one cares. So yeah. like they have no they have no fans here that are ripping them for trying an opener. You know, like they don't have that. Yeah, it's a no. It's a really good point, Jack. You're right about that. But on the counter side, like Jack and I have that we've been doing for like a year and a half now, where Jack will text me like, "All right, will you take like." And this is an extreme example, but just even I, 1927 Yankees lineup or Rays front office. And Jack has not found an alternative yet that I would take over the Rays front office. So just kind of hammer home that one. Yeah. We would we would do a lot of things to have the Rays level front office, but even if it's not the, even if it's not the Rays front office, like the Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox, Astros, that is still four major markets. That is four teams yep. that are in in major cities that have the same kind of pressure. The Red Sox have pressure. The Yankees have a ridiculous amount of pressure. The Dodgers haven't won a World Series since '88. Like, yep. it, there's pressure on all of those teams, but they're all big market teams and they're all smart. They're all forward thinking. And listen, I think the Phillies are getting there. I think they're getting there, but I want them to invest everything into into player development, into analytics, into scouting, and just start finding these diamonds in the rough. Start finding how the game's trending. Start like the leadoff thing. Like Kingery could be the the next wa- the helping with the next wave of leadoff men. Like th- there's there's certain things that I'm that I just have not seen from this Phillies team. And the fact that they keep bringing up Eikhoffs, Irvins, like guys that cannot strike people out. Like they're, they're not the, the Phillies are are twenty first in home runs right now? In a, in a, yeah. and they're not even not great. They're supposed to they're supposed to be launching baseballs. They're not launching anything. Like like they're not they're not they're not looking for the one pitch one spot and jumping on it. Like like when I watch Reese Hoskins bat and then I watch Jay Bruce bat. Like Jay Bruce is almost where I want. Reese Hoskins to get to like I know I know Reese Hoskins is a better player a better hitter just a phenomenal player and I love Reese I'm just saying the next step for his evolution is is taking the one pitch one spot and just looking to do damage on it because he he's had three home runs since that Brewers series like the, the, yeah, the two in the Brewer series, and then the one in the Steinbeck series. And then he's series. had one, yeah, exactly. So, so, it, so he's really had one home run, other than the two game stretch. And the thing is, prior to that Brewer series, it was like well, like thirteen or fourteen games without a homer. Two, I think it's like over the last like thirty plus games, thirty five games or something. He's got three homers. Like 
that's not okay for Reese Hoskins. And we know he goes cold. We know that he's a, you know, streaky kind of guy. But, like, my man can't be hitting three homers over 35 games. Like, we need him more. Like, that's not going to do it. And and same thing for Bryce. I mean, yeah, well, yes. Bryce has eleven homers. Like he's a, yeah. he's basically. I mean, he's hitting some doubles. He has whatever, but like, it's not. He's not driving the baseball. He's he's taking it the other way and and doing the things he can to 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 help this team. But he's not hitting home runs. He Br- Bryce Harper has pulled four fly balls in the air this year. Four. That's outrageous. Four. That's like um honestly. That's hard to believe. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I am sure. He's only pulled, pulled four balls this year in the air. That's, That's unbelievable. So, like, I, legitimately, that is, un, like, I don't believe that. I believe you because I trust you and I know you do your work and your research, but I don't believe that fact. Like, that sounds not real to me, Jack. It, it, it shouldn't. Really? It should It should sound not real to you. That's, that's insane is what it is. Four balls? Yeah. Wow, man. Like, that's, that, of all the, like, Bryce Harper alarmists, like, that's the most alarming Bryce Harper stat I've heard all year. It's not great. Uh, uh, he, like, <laughs> he's not driving the baseball. Hoskins isn't driving the baseball. Real Muto is doing fine, but I expected more home runs when he left Marlins Park. I, I, I think a lot of us did, but he has 10 home runs, so it's not crazy. Um, I mean, Segura is Segura, but even he's been, he's been in a little slump. I, like, I, I, I don't like the idea of calling for a guy's job, but like, this has been two years of frustration with John Maley. It, 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 it feels like they're only looking to walk and work pitches, and there's nothing outside of that. Like, it feels like they're not jumping on pitchers' mistakes. Like, when was the last time, when was the last time Reese Hoskins hit a, hit a, hit a, uh, uh, a curveball out or drove a curveball. It's like he yeah, only, sure. Like, like I just, I just it's feel great, no. It's a great point. And look, I think like you said it. What most of the time, Taylor's been fired for four jobs. I also think that when you look at it, it's one of those things where, again, like when you look at the offensive numbers across the board, whether it's home runs, whether it's woba, whether it's team average, whether it's whatever, like they're in the bottom third or or at best bottom half in every single offensive category. Like. Like, at what point do you blame someone, right? I mean, this is a lineup that we, again, after the first week of the season, after all the moves they made and all that, we said could be the best in Philly's history, if not one of the best. We said unequivocally probably the best lineup in the National League. Like, at some point you have to blame someone, right? Like, at some point you have to say, okay, this isn't good enough. Who do we blame? And why wouldn't you blame John Maley? No one knows what the guy does. No one knows what hitting coaches do. I get it. But, like, at a certain point, if you say, all right, this is the level of talent we have. These are the stats we would expect offensively. And we are way below them. Like, who do you blame? At a certain point, I feel like it almost has to come back to John Maley. Yeah, I, I I I do agree with you, and I I, under, I understand that there's this whole thing. Well, we don't really know what the hitting coach does anyway. I would argue that that is completely changing. I think that is changing right in front of our eyes. It may not be the hitting coach, but it's the hitting philosophies, and it's the it's the mod, it's a looking at, at at a modern way to build a, a a a major league offense. And I just don't think this is. Like this doesn't feel right to me. There's something off about how the offense is. Like there's just something off when you watch it every night. Like sure they'll 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 do their runs and spurts and they had a good game on on Tuesday. Um, but like last night was an embarrassing effort. Merrill Kelly is not that good. He's had some good starts recently. Uh, Merrill Kelly's not good. 
he's just not good. He's 30 years old. Like, he, he's like, everyone's like, oh, he's the new Miles Nicholas. No, he's not. And by the way, Miles Nicholas has sucked this year. So, all right. Yeah. And Taylor, Ke- Taylor Clark is nothing because either. Apparently, my little brother's a big Merrill Kelly fan. He said to me, his last three starts have been great. So that's for you, Peter. Yeah. Peter wanted me to get into Merrill Kelly doesn't suck as much as we think he does. He sucks, Peter. Yeah. Well, and it's he he pitched well last night, but there's just something off with his offense, and I I just it feels like there's a disconnect between what Maley's maybe preaching, or maybe it feels like the the analytics department is lagging behind where they need to be. But his offense should undoubtedly be better than where they are, and uh, I just want to see them invest. If it's, if, it's not, if it's not firing Maley, if it's not doing that, invest in more guys like Jason Ochart and bring in those kind of guys that can develop this thing from the ground up. It's a ground-up campaign because, again, after the Ruben Amaro era, this had this team had nothing left. It was it was barren out there. So um, it, 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 something has to change. This offense is too talented to be as average as they are, and whether it's moving on from Maley or whatever – it, it, it's got to be go time because they're, they're too good. Make O-Chart the hitting coach, Jack. You know that's where I'm at. All right. Um, I don't know how we, we even came in and said, oh, we're going to have nothing to talk about. I feel like we've gone for a while now. Yeah, it's 45 minutes. I know you're not looking at how it. How did this happen, Jack? Well, I was like, we're going to be like a 25-minute podcast. All right, let's talk about the Braves because that's like a thing. Well, what is a thing? It's a big series this weekend. Well, of course it's a big series. In fact, they're, they're facing 27 games against NL East opponents. You have the Braves, who I think Corey Simon tweeted out today, are 17-6 and six in their last 24 games, if that's the matter. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're starting to, to figure it out it a little bit. It feels like they never lose. Just anecdotally, watching, you know, and the, and the, the standings, on it's like, why didn't the Braves ever lose? I feel like they never lose these days. They don't, but uh, it's it, the good thing for the Phillies is, the, is that they have their ace and their number two on the mound Friday into Saturday. Uh, Nick Pavetta starting Friday, obviously the ace of the staff. <laughs> um, it's a it's a big measuring stick series for for Nick. I mean, we talked about it earlier. Listen, if if he if he goes Dodgers, Reds, Braves, all in order, and and looks and looks the part. Like you're talking about a completely different Phillies team, uh, and this is again on the road in Atlanta. Last year, Atlanta gave him troubles, um, big time trouble, big time trouble. So, I mean, I I'm, I am nervous. I'm not going to say I'm not nervous, but I'm also very excited to see what what he can deliver because if he goes out there and shoves, like I just feel so good about the the rest of this Phillies season in a way. Take down some innings, Nick. Take down some innings, brother. Now, he is, fa- he is facing Max Freed, which sounds like a miserable experience. Max Freed is disgusting. Nasty. Yeah, he's nasty. There, is that, well, that's the annoying part about the Braves, whether it's Freed, whether it's or whether it's their, Like, they just keep bringing up these arms where it's like, why don't, like, that guy would, like, that guy's so much better than Jared Eikhoff. And Jared Eikhoff is in the last two months. Like, like, Where'd that guy come from? I know. <laughs> I know. It's really frustrating. I know. It really is. They have they have a like bunch. Mike Soroka is like a side young contender right now. Mike Soroka is awesome. They haven't even got, awesome. They haven't even gotten Kyle Wright right yet. So like I don't. know. Yeah. Sure. Just, and Toki Toki hasn't been what he can be. Like there, it's crazy the depth and talent that they have in that system and what they've been able to funnel in already and what they still have left. It's not great. I'm not a fan of it, Jack. Me either. Me either. But as yeah. always, as always, they're cheap and the Phillies have money. So we'll see how long. Uh, uh, Jack, that is the great equalizer. And that's why it brings us back to the discussion we had before. The Bryce Harper thing, the whole thing like 
spend money. Like, this is your advantage. You're in a division where you have the Braves, who are the all-time cheapest. You have the Mets, who lost all their money to Madoff. You have the Nationals, who are in salary cap health or, or whatever, you know, like luxury tax health for the next decade. Well, and they haven't like, gotten and any, have, and the Nationals haven't gotten have any TV money. So yet. Or Juan Soto, or all these guys coming down the road. And then on top of that, then any of the ones who are obviously a joke, like the Phillies really do from a, a, a organizational construction perspective have an advantage over these other teams. They have the opportunity to be a bigger boy than the other boys in the division. They need to do it, Jack. It's <laughs> a weird sentence there. <laughs> I know. I liked it, though. I felt really good about they it. They have the ability you know, to like be... The big boys. It's like the big boys. We want them to be the big boys. Sorry, actually, like lengthen it out. You know what I mean? They have the ability to be bigger boys. They need to be bigger boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, go back and listen. It worked. Okay. It worked. I'm all in. Yeah. I'm all in. Uh, I think it was pretty great. From big... It might have been the greatest sentence I've ever said. Why? You're throwing that right. out there? <laughs> it's pretty impressive. No. no. It was a good sentence. Not greatest. But it was good. Yeah. The, uh, the, the big boy stuff. I'm, Jack, I'm standing outside in Florida right now and I'm literally sweating. Good. Just from being outside because it's so hot here. If you don't, if you don't work up a sweat, uh, listen. If for for while baseball players, some say you don't actually play unless you get a little dirt on your on your uniform. You don't actually do a high hopes podcast unless you sweat a little bit. It's true. Well, I'm sweaty, so it worked out. That's good. So Pavetta <laughs> Pavetta versus Freed on Friday, which is uh, that's gonna that's gonna be a tough game. Honestly, I mean, like Pavetta could shove, but Max Freed is really really good. So. Tough task for the Phils Friday. Then you have Nola versus Sean Newcomb. Newcomb's stats are actually a little better than I thought. He's a two five nine ERA. I still don't, I, I'm not a big Sean Newcomb guy. Yeah, the whip isn't great. Yeah, the whip isn't great. Need Nola Saturday. Need good Nola. He's back down south. Uh, it'll obviously be warm, uh, but I think it's supposed to rain a good amount this weekend. So watch out for that. Um, and then obviously the Phillies don't know what they're going to do on Sunday yet, but they are facing Mike Fultonevich, who I think is just dog poopy. So yeah, uh, he is. He is clearly reverted from the terrific to be fair terrific season he had last year not the same guy this year no i would say not so uh james what do we say what do we say we say two or three jack two or all three. i want is two or three that's all like especially like we just like a lot of times i say two of three and in my head i'm thinking sweep these guys sweep these guys i really just want two or three the only Please, time we, the only time we did not say two of three was before the dodger series <laughs> Yeah, we're like one of three, please, and that wasn't enough. <laughs> please just take one. Yeah, it's just this. This is gonna be, this is gonna be gut check time for this Phils team. I mean, yeah. they got they got Braves this weekend. They go to the Nationals. Like twenty seven games against NLE's opponents. Obviously, obviously the the Marlins are still the bottom feeders, but they've won thirteen and they're thirteen and yeah, sixteen. Yeah, they're like, playing good baseball. They're playing. And they got Zach Gallen just waiting to come up and dominate. Yeah. The, so the the rest of the NLE's is actually playing pretty good baseball so the Mets are even starting to hit the baseball a little bit um, they're still the Mets and, and Jason Vargas is their best pitcher right now which is very funny um, <laughs> Jason Vargas is dog poopy and, yes. um, but yeah it, 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 this is going to be sink or swim time like if they go in the tank here and don't come out of the stretch I, I need at least two games over 500 or more um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really define the rest of this Philly season yeah, I'm with you. I think this is, uh, look, uh, you know, we've, it's funny because this has been like a, a running joke the entire time we've done the podcast. Like, biggest series since 2011. 
this is the biggest series since 2011. Like, legitimately, like, and, and other series have been because this one hadn't happened yet. But, like, right now, in this moment, where this team is at right now, this is the biggest series since, 20, uh, since 2011. Or maybe 2012, if you want to say, like, halfway through the year when they were still in it. But, like, this really feels like the first real showdown series with a division opponent we've had in a really, really long time. Listen, man, you keep you keep discounting the 2012 series against the Astros where they got swept. And it really I went. threw it in there. That's why I said 2012 for you. I normally don't, but I threw it in because you got so mad about it last time. So I mentioned 2012. Listen, that, was, that, was, that was a dark period for me. It was, it I was, know. It was I 2011. You, you always get mad when I don't mention it. Yeah, it was tw- the 2011 thing into 2012. I, I, I just needed, I needed one more run out of that team. I just needed one more run, and I didn't we get it. We all did, Jack. We all did. Oh, I remember I was sitting at the beach on like July 4th, and I texted my friend. I was like, this is where they go on their last run, the last hurrah, and then they came up short in that Astros series. It was, they sure did, buddy. It, I don't want to sure get too did. sad, but it was the end of an era. So um, let's get to <laughs> let's. Let, you can start final thoughts this week since you're on the, on the road. Yeah, okay, so my final thought, not baseball-related, um, just to anyone out there who ever has to fly with a baby, um, it was uh, a going in, literally, I've never been more afraid of anything in my life. Like, it was just, it was awful. Like, it was so stressful, but here's the thing. People are actually nicer than you would think, and the, the lady who sat in the, the third seat in our row was like, your daughter is great, don't worry about it. Like, there were people behind us who were super nice. So I think, like, what I'm trying to say is my faith in humanity was somewhat restored today because I came in expecting people to give me death stares because I was bringing my baby on a plane because I've done that in the past. I'm not so terrible about it, but people were really awesome. Zoe ended up being awesome, so they were right to be awesome because she didn't cry at all and she was great. But, um... I don't know. I got a little more faith in humanity after today, Jack. So I wanted to share that with the High Oaks, High Oaks listeners. The beautiful, that, wonderful High Oaks that is, Now, was the lady that said Zoe was a great baby, does she listen to the podcast? Great question. I don't think so. Yeah, probably not. Maybe. I don't think so, though. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you could have had an opportunity, an opportunity there to add another You're listener. Right. I should have grown the pod there. There you go. Hey, there. thanks for saying that. Do you listen to High Oaks podcast or No. I think it's a fair, if not, uh, you should. I think yeah. I think okay. it's a fair follow up. I really think it's a fair follow up. So I think it's I think it's the only follow up, really. Some would say that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, like it's such it's such a weird situation you're in because your whole life you're probably like, oh my god, I hate babies on planes, and then that's now, exactly what it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I have been that guy. Like I, I literally said, like, like to Emily, to my wife, waiting for a plane, like, and I see a baby, like, why would you bring the baby on a plane? Like, what an idiot. Life lessons with James Seltzer. Gotta love it. <laughs> um, my two final thoughts is one, obviously rate and read the podcast. Uh, I know James is on a phone today and you know, it's probably not great, but um, we, we battled through it. You know, James took down some, took down some minutes on this podcast. I did. On- I did. Thank you to my mother, my brother, my wife, and my daughter for letting me go for this time. So, 
It's a lot of thank yeah. yous. Um, we, we, so, we, you know, we make it happen. So rate and review the podcast. Uh, again, a thousand ratings. We will uh, release the Bryce Harper is never coming your podcast. And uh, we, uh, we have circled a date. We are working on pricing for High Hopes Night. Look yeah. out for that. It is going to be electric. Uh, and I, I'm already counting the days for High Hopes Night. And my second final thought is that Cody Bellinger after, uh, let's see, this was two days ago. So heading into Wednesday's games, Cody Bellinger mm-hmm. was batting 136 with a 524 OPS and no homers since being since, since being pivoted. <laughs> since he got pivoted on last Sunday. I knew exactly. The moment you said Cody Bellinger's name, I knew where you were going. It is a really sad scene in L.A. Um, <laughs> he is completely gone in the tank. Uh, he got pivetted. It's very sad. I, lo- I thoroughly, thoroughly look forward to him pivetting Austin Riley and, and knocking that crap off because there's no way that guy should be as good as he is. Uh, but he is about to get pivetted on Friday and go into a similar tank to Cody Bellinger. Very excited. Take two or three from the Braves. And we'll talk to you Monday.